You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and a very warm welcome to all our listeners. I'm Richard Cock. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8, and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note, and we listen to music of their choice. And we had a wonderful response last week to the program. So if you want to write in, then my email address is rcock, that's my name, rcock at iafrica.com, rcock at iafrica.com. It's always good to hear from you. My guest in tonight's program is John Layden, who is the founder of Mango Groove and a songwriter of note. Welcome, John. Yeah, thanks for the of note, but I'll... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a person of note <laughs> and a songwriter yeah. of okay. note. Yeah, lovely to be here. Thank you for Well, it's, it's great to have you here. Mm. And actually, Mango Groove, if we talk about Mango Groove, has been around for how long now? Sure. Well, last year we did our big 30th anniversary shows because that, you know, that's a nice angle. But, I mean, it's actually we have a longer history than that, in fact. And uh, I think you'll see through what we chat about today that it's a thing that reaches right back into South African music history. And uh, so really formed more in the mid-80s, in fact. And we even did a God, a couple of years without Claire. So Claire even yeah. came later. But that's really when it all started. So the 30th anniversary was, was the launch of our very first album, yeah. the first Mango And where did the name come from? Oh, it's just a sort of a silly name. You know, I suppose we were in the sort of 80s, that sort of semi-tropical Kid Creole meets. We just wanted to communicate a sense of a big band, fun, zoot suit sort of thing and mango groove. And it's a little bit of a chauvinist pun, you know, mango groove. So it's just a, one of those silly names. Yeah. I don't even know if I like it. Actually, but <laughs> stuck with but it it's now. stuck. And is that quite unusual in the life of a group like Mango Groove? to go on so long? I think so. Uh, and obviously, with such a passage of time, I mean, we're into sort of close to four decades in a way, um, which, gosh, that's very long. You know, you hang around long enough, you become an institution, how, whether you're any good or not. But um, yes, and obviously, you get the lineup change. Manga's always had a big lineup change. But in a way, it's been part of the spirit of the band that, yes, I mean, a lot of people have played for Manga Group, but there's probably been a sort of creative heart to it, obviously, by Claire. Um, as the absolute front person and the voice and, and the personality of Mango, but also a, quite a key writing call that's remained continuous. Some of the band going right back to things. But, you know, we've, we've lost members. People come, people go with that sort of passage of time. But I think it is unusual. It's, and yeah. I think it's also because Mango's, in a lot of ways, it's been more than music. It's been about a worldview and an ethos and what we believe in. And that has a certain continuity and a strength to it. Yeah. It sort of gives it, that longevity, I well, guess. You think, or the absence of alternatives. Yeah. I, I mean, 85 yeah. was in the old days of apartheid. Yeah. Oh, and it was the, part yeah. of the state of emergency and yeah. you know, difficult, really difficult times, you know, in our history. Well, I wonder we must hear about those difficult mm. times too because, I mean, that's all part of the history of your group and, yes. and the history of us as yeah. South Africans. Your first choice, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, and the group that's performing at The Tokens. Yes, so we'll start off on a semi-controversial note. Um, this is the sort of famous pop version. I think it was very early 60s, possibly, I'm going to get the date wrong, but uh, possibly around sort of 61 or something. 
And obviously the song has a very long history and a poignant history because there was a copyright dispute on it. The original version, which I absolutely love, which is the Solomon Linda version, um, and you can very clearly hear the sort of uh, the, the derivation of it through that and you can hear the influences and where it came from and right through to the Mbube section uh, going into Wimmerware, you know, the sort of bastardization. So it's um, I chose that song, one, just simply as a, hopefully a pop writer myself, it's just a masterpiece of a song. I mean, it's so catchy. It's one of those songs you wish you'd written because um, it's just such a giant song. It's been everywhere. and uh, But at the same time, there's a bittersweet component to the thing, you know, in terms of its ancient history, the fact that uh, the dominant writer was excluded for decades on it. And, you know, as you would know the history to that, the original sort of wise Spiretti Creatori, and then finally Solomon Linda and fortunately not himself, but I mean his family getting the recognition. So it's a whole, it's a very South African story in a way. And it also, to me, it points to a particular period of South African music that was just absolutely incredible and globally quite dominant. And you'll notice with a couple of songs we're choosing, there was something about that time and that place and those influences, uh, essentially urban music styles that uh, had a universal accessibility and a universal reach. So, yep, great pop song. To this day, it'll get a, everyone on the floor. And it's uh, beautifully written, but at the same time, there's that undertow of, of history and uh, controversy, whatever. So, that's so why. here we go. Yep. Classic 1027 listeners, on your feet and dancing. <laughs> that was The Lion Sleeps Tonight, and performed by The Tokens, the choice of John Layden, who's my guest in People of Note. He was the founder of Mango Groove and a songwriter. Where did this all start for you, John, as a musician and a songwriter or have you always done it um no i mean i i would actually be reluctant even to call myself a musician i mean i really am a busker so i suppose in terms of the musical roots of mango groove because it is that funny mixture of pop and uh, i've got a very simplistic sense of music um so i was very emotionally moved even as a child by certain sounds i heard from i was born in zambia and I did grow up listening to some of the songs that we're going to hear now. And um, they just struck me. I think the essence of music um, is that it moves you, you know. And I think that's what makes music powerful. I mean, it's easy to be impressed by music, technically impressed or whatever. And it's nice to be impressed. But I tend to go with what moves me. And so in a way, I've had an emotional thing with music. And uh, but as a I, I really am a completely I still look at the dots on the f fretboard to know I don't know keys. I, I'm, I'm completely I really am a sort of a busker. So were you self-taught? Uh, yeah. And, and I was had a very bad teacher. So in Zambia. No, no. I was yeah. the teacher. Oh, yeah. I was the bad teacher. So anyway, sorry, that was a bit obscure. <laughs> but um, so in a way. No, I mean, I only came to music much later on, you know, in acoustic guitar, I went to three classical lessons, didn't have the concentration or the rigor, um, and then just, you know, picked up a few chords. And uh, so in a way, there were sort of early influences in terms of what I grew up loving, simple, melodic, uh, what moved me with certain romantic associations, I guess. My actual relationship with music is fairly untheoretical. I mean, I really am... A busker. I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I have a very limited knowledge, and so from and I never really played other people's music. So I started off in a punk band, 
And we'll get on to the punk thing. As because, a guitarist. Uh, as a bassist, or, actually, bassist, yeah. which already says something. You know, it has fewer strings. And it actually, then they only had four strings. You can get ones with more strings now. So, um, in a way, I was drawn to music in a very simple sense. Uh, as a sort of a posy schoolboy, I fell in love with the British New Wave and punk movement. And punk said a lot of things. It said if you can even play one chord or two chords, write songs, uh, write about things that you feel are important, you know. And um, that's really my background. It is for all the music I love. And uh, I have a very simple, you know, I strum away. I, it's a strange, untheoretical sense of music. And I suppose everyone sees music in a different way. But... That's really where it started, sort of technically for me, if I can mention Well, we're going to listen to your next choice, and then I want to know how you go about this process of yeah. writing songs. I mean, do you workshop them? Let's listen to your next choice first. Okay. This is the famous Pata Pata with the Skylarks and Miriam Makeba and Spokes Mashiani. The wonderful Pata Pata featuring the Skylarks and Miriam Makeba and Spokes Mashiani. And I guess we'll get on to how you do your songs in a moment, how you write them. But you've met many of these people, I'm sure, these famous names from the past almost, you know, uh, Miriam McCabe. Yes. And actually, these will come up again. You know, we've had the hugest privilege through our very long career to intersect with the most incredible people. I mean, and people who even as a child, I had a completely romantic sense of so when I actually encountered people and particularly I'm talking in relation to South African artists who uh, would have grown up in in the 40s and the 50s and you know absolutely iconic artists that eventually our paths did cross and and the influences and uh, that's been a huge privilege to us and so yes of course with Miriam Spokes Marciani regretfully I mean a towering player and and, you know in a way he defined the sound of the penny whistle Um, and obviously, he, he, I think he died in the late 60s, so there was no point of contact there. But that particular one we've just listened to um, is a very early Skylarks, which was the original uh, sort of vocal doo-wop um, section. And that's also part of the mango thing. You'll see we've always had these three sort of backing vocalists. That's very much an ancient tradition in terms of that. So uh, Spoke's a huge influence on in our music. We've even co- done a couple of the songs. And obviously, Miriam, you're an absolute, uh, you know... Rest in peace, but a, a wonderful influence. And particularly that early uh, Miriam stuff, I absolutely grew up adoring. And, um, you know, the stuff she did with Harry Belafonte. And, I mean, it's just a absolute dream part of my childhood. So. And how do you write your songs then? If you say you, your, your technical and theoretical knowledge is mm. limited, yeah. what is the process of writing a song or creating a song maybe for you? Um, okay, well, then... Okay, I'll put it uncharitably first. Obviously, we're very dominantly influenced by other artists. So, you know, there's that famous saying that originality is undetected plagiarism. So we've always been heavily, I mean, I think we all are. I think anyone who's honest about being in the creative industry recognizes that music is a completely cultural um, eclecticism that's going on there. And we've been very, very heavily influenced by other artists, by other songs. Uh, and I think that's the nature of music. I think uh, music is an open domain. You can't get into any sort of cultural Stalinism around what came from where. And I think uh, that's a dangerous thing. So um, there's, there's, so I suppose there are outside influences. I might even hear a song I love and sort of it probably filters in somewhere. In terms of the actual process, I'm very driven by the top line and by a title. I mean, if it's uh, 
and I will literally strum away very badly and put things together. But the actual process of writing a song, it's a long thing for me in a way. I don't, uh, uh, you know, lyrically especially, I sort of sweat them out, you know. But you do it, or is it a sort of group thing? Uh, it very different songs in manga. You'll notice that uh, in terms of the manga song catalogue, there are a few dominant writers. I mean, um, I've been lucky enough to be a writer on the catalogue. I don't know why I just muscle my way in there. Uh, Founder member writes, but, um, you know, Claire writes. Uh, Kevin Burchill is a, a very important writer on, on, on especially the sort of first couple of albums of manga. Um, so that um, Duduzi Maguire, Penny Whistler, again the major writer on a song like Special Star, but it is collaborative, and I think that comes through in the music that that sort of eclecticism, different uh, different inputs. It might even be a horn line or something. So, uh, but it's a sort of so it's a funny mixture of collaboration and a sort of creative core of certain people who really pin it down. So over the years, I mean, thirty five years or so that you've mm. been doing this, yeah. there must be a lot of songs from that period. Yes. I mean, we actually, strange enough, haven't produced a lot of albums. I mean, I always remember when we started with our, one of our first deals, you know, I mean, like the Soul Brothers at the time, and I remember hearing, like, Soul Brothers had, like, 30 albums out, or Ladies from Blackman Baza. So we're actually not that prolific in a way. But you're, you're right. I mean, with the passage of time, we, we do have a fairly big catalogue of songs, you know, and... Uh, Probably most of them bad, and the odd one comes through. But that's the nature of the beast. So, yeah, you're right. It's and after 30 years or 35 years, whatever yeah. it is, do you still, well, not right now because mm. nobody's doing gigs now, but do you still do regular gigs together? Manga, I would say our last year was probably our busiest in our history. And it's been wow. a strange thing with Mango. And it sort of kicked off with uh, big festivals like Opie Copy and whatever, that you catch that wave. I mean, look, I grew up listening to my parents' music. For instance, so we've been very fortunate in that way. I mean, okay, we released our last album was two years ago. Uh, that's a, a, a thing called Faces to the Sun. Um, so we've maintained current with the man's. You know, we've gone off on side projects and whatever, but Mango has always remained Mango, um, and we we've just been very lucky that way. If you want to understand Mango, watch it live. It's a, you know we really are live actors. So we've yeah, we've been very busy. We hit the face. We've been just fortunate that way. Yeah, People well, still tolerate us. When you say <laughs> you grew up listening to your parents' music, I mean, some of your younger fans hmm. probably grew up listening to their parents' music, which was Mango. That's group. exactly the point. Yeah. Or even the dance groups. You know, that's yeah. been a strange thing with Mango. And a good example was this, like Opie Copy, where we play, I mean, at the time, it was probably 22,000 people under the age of 22 and uh, less than sober and we were at where well, I thought god we're going to get things thrown at us or whatever and they knew every song it was the most moving thing yeah. you know I mean a song like Moments Away uh, the crowd sang it for us you yeah. know and we were so touched and it yeah. was a wonderful thing you know amazing well your next choice is uh Tom Hark, mm. Elias Le Role, and the Zigzag Flutes. Yes. Again, that says so much about the South African music of that time. Uh, that was uh, Jack, big voice Jack Le Role, who's Elias's brother. So I think Elias was credited as the writer, and then he lost the rights to Rupert Republic. Another classic copyright story in the annals of South African music, who wrote what and whatever. But um, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. It was actually a British top ten hit, I think in 1958 or something. I'm probably gobbling the dates. To me, it's an absolutely brilliant song. Strange enough, I heard a melodic comparison to it, which is a Haydn piece. I know we're on classic FM. So that's the nature of music. Doesn't that tell you everything about it? And um, 
Jack was a big part of the Mango history, big voice Jack Roley. He himself had a huge history going back to the 40s and 50s. Uh, Tom Hawk, that was something I played on my veranda when I first met Jack. And uh, it's just a wonderful piece. And it's got the reference to Quella in it. He called me Quella, Quella Van, which is a policeman, which is one of the origins of Penny Whistle music being given that name, uh, Quella. And it's just... Uh, it's one of those classic hits. It was a huge British hit, again in the 60s. It's sung on the football terraces and just a classic piece of uh, melodic magic. Here it comes. That was Tom Hark featuring Elias Lerole and his zigzag flutes. Actually, I, I will remember doing a program, strangely enough, for Chinese TV we did mm-hmm. once. Um, with Big Voice Jack. Oh. He was there and what Watershed. A... Watershed were there yes, as well. interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, um, Jack was sorely missed. Huge part of the mango oh. history and trajectory. I mean, and an orchestra. We had an orchestra. Yeah, and a phenomenal yeah. writer. Actually, yeah. very theoretically trained. Yeah. He used to do all the charting for artists for Sam Rowe and very, but it's an astonishing human being and a wonderful guy. I mean, yeah. very sadly missed. Uh, it's interesting that you've <coughs> twice you've mentioned um, copyright issues because yes. last week we had Mark Rosen. Yeah. on He's the program, those, who's yeah. now the the yeah. CEO of Samro. So it's it's uh, an issue which is not going to go away. And especially gonna... now when you're dealing with very simple melodic structures. And it's, it's look, it's big business in America now. People just line up the lawsuits yeah. against the Ed Sheerans, against the Beyonds. You know, it's just, it's, it's a game now. It's yeah. a business. So. Yeah. Now, we're coming to the first Mango Groove uh, serious mango group yes. song, Bagamoyo, Lay Down Your Heart. Well, that's a, I would call that a, okay, one, it's, it's a bit of vanity that I've even included a mango song, but there was a reason for that. So um, I'm just lyrically proud of the song. Bagamoyo is the name of a coastal town on the coast of Tanzania, and um, it was a renowned slave route, in fact. So uh, Bagamoyo means lay down your heart, and it's about, it is essentially a song about slavery and uh and the African diaspora, you know, the, 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 it's, it's that poignancy of the African diaspora globally that it was largely defined by slave roots. And uh, it's also got a Swahili lyric in it. And dad, who actually, dad passed away a few months ago. So <clears throat> he he wrote the words, uh, Swahili, he was fluent in Swahili. So the, it's just got that association, very personal. It's probably a song a lot of people don't know. So, um, but I think it's, a and, and above all, Claire, Claire just... It's been such a privilege, obviously, to have been married to Claire, to, for her to be my best friend. But just vocally, she's just one of those wonderfully incredible, unique, global singers for me. And it's been such a privilege even to write songs that she would sing or to write with her, you know. So it's, it, it's combining. It's a sentimental thing, but you know, not, a, not a well-known Mango song. So. Bagamoyo, Lay Down Your Heart. This features Mango Groove. I'm speaking to John Layden, who is the founder of Mango Groove and a songwriter, and that was one of their songs. When was that written? That was, I think, 2010-ish, yeah, 2010. Bagamoyo, Lay Down Your Heart, Uh, one of the songs that they have produced and uh, that John is responsible for. I think you are. You're sort of manager, songwriter, everything of Mango Groove. No, you gosh, run it. You I'm, run I'm, it. Maybe I'm its biggest 
uh, weakness Fine. as well as its biggest <laughs> strength. <laughs> they can't get rid of me, you know, but I'm sort of stuck there. No, but I mean, I've obviously been, I'm probably, actually, that's the only funny thing. I'm the only person who's been at every single Manga Group concert because even Claire joined a little bit later. Yeah. No, but I mean, it is it is very much a, a passion of mine yeah. and it's so bound up with who I am. And you it's know? been but your a lot life. of people have made up Manga and yeah. made it what it is. So. But it's been your life. Yes, in many ways, yeah. you know. In, in, I still don't have yeah. a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> but what a nice non-job to have. <laughs> now, I see your next choice is really interesting because Bert Camfort and Swing and Safari, this was mm. the very first LP that I ever bought. Wow. I remember going, uh, it was a record shop near the Grand Parade in Cape mm. Town. Three rand it cost me. Wow. And I bought it. I wish I'd kept it because it'd be mm. worth more than three rand you know, now. It's a classic cover there, yeah. actually, in all its bad taste. You know? Yeah. Um, With animal skins and yes, and a, sort of a babe on the front. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a very, very funny. But it, it's yeah. one of those sort of classics of badness. But but what an album! Absolutely, and again, an album. I grew up on my parents' music, listening, and you know, mum and dad. I can't separate them from everything I've been able to do in my life. I really am fortunate that way, and they've made so many of my. Uh, Life choices, some of them irresponsible, possible. And so, again, Bert Camfort, the first sort of great, you know, if you think of a sort of like a Graceland, which we're coming to now, where you got people coming from other countries and absorbing African influences. Um, and again, probably numerous copyright disputes there, which we won't go into. But um, Bert Camfort, I mean, he wrote Blue Spanish Eyes, Sleepy Shores. He's a fantastic writer, fantastic arranger. And the arrangement, so that he, Brought in, he brought in that sort of Germanic, Mozartian, melodic sense. He saw that in the music. And com that combined with his craft, his songwriting, I think that's a masterpiece of an album. If you want to understand a lot about Mango, that's one of the things you would look at. And if you listen to how he arranges stuff, horn arrangements, I mean, he really was just an, right through to the grooves. You know, he was just uh, an absolute maestro. So a very, very big part of understanding Mango's history and yeah. the cheesiness of it, you know. We're, we're pretty cheesy lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't think you're cheesy at all. We, I've done quite a few arrangements of Mango yeah, Groove thank songs. Thank you for with, that. Yeah, you with know, the orchestra. We're always very touched if someone does a, yeah, does a Mango song. I'm sure we did. Didn't You've we worked with Claire on... With Starlight Classics. Yes, yeah, done yeah, Starlight yeah. Classic. No, yeah. I mean, always an honor. Yeah, we've had uh, some great times with yeah. your songs. Yeah. <laughs> and you. I hope that you collected the royalties from them when we, when we did. Yes, I'm we sure you did. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's, it all flows through. So here it is, Swing and Safari with Bert Camfort. The fabulous Swing and Safari with Bert Camfort. And as I was saying, that was the first LP that I ever bought. I was so proud I went home. And you remember how big LPs were? You had, oh, I, I was a little boy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. And, I think and I the joy of getting one. And, or you know. something, yeah. yeah, they were artifacts, you know. They really just, were. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first mm. part of my collection of yeah, LPs. I'm amazed now, looking back, that I I bought that rather than a classical one because yeah, I was very I was very classically yeah, up, yeah. brought up. Yeah, you mentioned in passing Paul Simon mm. and Graceland. What this foreign? Let's call it foreign interest in mm. South African or African music. Yeah. Uh, was sort of generated by Paul Simon in a way. This world music. Well, in a way, you're yeah, the precursor to that, as we said, was. 
Bert Camp, yeah. but he came out here and thought, hmm, there's some interesting music forms going on here. I don't know how many people he credited or whatever. But in terms of that sort of eclectic treatment, that probably was the first. There was then another one, probably a little bit after that, called Duck Rock, which was when Trevor Horn, the producer, came out and did a whole lot of... Uh, Malcolm McLaren, in fact. Again, he used a lot of influences, one of which was uh, Jack LaRoley. And again, another one for me, one of those culturally very interesting albums. Um, and then, obviously, but Graceland was the absolute... Was the big time. The biggie, yeah. yeah. And um, so, uh, and, and I was lucky enough to see... Well, I was lucky enough very briefly to meet him through Hilton Rosenthal. Um, who was our first signing, actually. The first deal we did was uh, a version of Dance and More Than Mountella Queens. Claire wasn't even with us then. But Hilton, I was very lucky enough to meet uh, Paul Simon. I've always had the highest regard from him as a songwriter. He's an absolute craftsman. Um, and I thought how he came out here, uh, you know, I thought that was a masterpiece of an album. And yes, again, fraught with controversy and claims and counterclaims. But he, so it's really just... As a, uh, as a as a songwriter, I just think he's one of the greatest ever. I thought that was a masterpiece of an album. And he worked with such incredible artists that we were lucky enough to work with. And that very sad picture recently of, I think it's Paul Simon with Yuma Sakela. He's with Ray Perry. And, you know, you can just see so few people are left from that generation. Yeah. And that is the sadness. But uh, And Under African Skies, I just it's a very beautiful, pretty song. We did our own sort of funny tribute to it as well and it's um, beautifully written Linda Ronstadt one of my favorite uh, vocalists and it was just a, a wonderful interpretation of a style of music while, while bringing his own craft and his own melodic sense to it so uh, to me it's a masterpiece and the album was a masterpiece. Paul Simon Under African Skies that was Under African Skies the from the Paul Simon album the choice of John Layden, who's my guest in People of Note. That's the program you're listening to on Classic 1027. John is the founder of Mango Groove way back in the 80s and a songwriter and, as you can hear, a raconteur of note. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. And if you want to write in to me or to John, I can pass your emails on. Here's my email address. It's my name, R-C-O-C-K, rcock at iafrica.com, rcock at iafrica.com. So please just write to me, and I will pass your emails on to John, uh, if appropriate. Lovely. Now, uh, I see your next choice is... Uh, some classical music. This is Mozart. I had to get a classical one, didn't I? I mean, well, <laughs> well, funny enough, this is one program on classical yeah, no, so it's, it's a wonderful series, actually. It say. is, and you mm. can choose whatever you like. Yeah. And we get people saying, you know, I get people who say, "Gosh, I'm really enjoying the music mm. tonight, listening to this program," because yeah. it's very different to most yes. of the other music yeah. we play. Um, and this is sort of world music in another sense, mm. I think. Absolutely. Uh, it's well, a beautiful well, piece, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, I mean, Mozart just was something incredible. You know, to me, he was equally just a pop star of his day. Beautiful, exquisite merit melodies. I mean, in incredibly crafted and complex. But the, the top line of Mozart, if I can call him that, like that whole sort of Germanic tradition and the Italian tradition, exquisite, exquisite melodies that moved you. And I think he was a guy of his day. He was writing pop in his day in that way and that's not to 
you know, with all the craft, all the complexity, the, the, the top line, as it were, were these exquisite, exquisite crafted melodies. And I think he was probably like that in real life. I mean, uh, if um, any of... Um, Amadeus is to be believed, you know, he was his own sort of hooligan. And I mean, if he had a Twitter account, God knows what he'd be saying, you know. But I mean, it was just a, and the poignancy of his early death and all that sort of stuff. It's just a, and it's such a powerful, beautiful, exquisite, moving piece of piece of music. And of course, with with the connections that you and I have with mm. South Africa, I mean, this was used for out of Africa. Absolutely. If you remember that, uh, I really, those beautiful yeah. scenes of... The Savannah, uh, the Savannah and the Serengeti. No, I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's our – I have a very deep emotional attachment to this continent in so many ways, and uh, it, it seems utterly appropriate to me. So this is the slow movement from the clarinet concerto by Mozart. Wow, that is so beautiful. The slow movement from the clarinet concerto by Mozart, the choice of John Layden, who's my guest in People of Note, the founder of Mango Groove. John, you've used – talk about your attachment to Africa and South Africa. What has been the sort of world view of Mango Groove? You've you've done tours, presumably, all over the place? Or how yes. much have you traveled abroad? We've been very lucky to travel extensively through, uh, through our career. And I mean, you know, long may that continue when this horror lifts, you know, because, you know, as, as everyone would know, it's, we've been in one of the businesses like yourself, that's really been hit hard by the by the pandemic. And uh, but you know we've been very very fortunate and um, to travel and to do to do many shows. You know, in different in different parts of the world. So uh, yeah, who which countries have taken to your music the best? Oh uh, gosh, we've or is it we've just been very around? I mean, we you know we're right through. And actually, you know, there's a strange resonance to it now. I mean. We did the Hong Kong handover concert, for instance. Um, you know, we did that. I don't know what it is with us and, us and handovers. But um, so we, yeah, I've been through the Far East, you know, Australia, Europe extensively, the rest of Africa, which is always a joy. So, yeah, many, obviously, you know, London. And I mean, we, we have been you so done, fortunate. Have way. you done big openings of things too yes we have actually not just not just handovers actually but um and you know a, a few things stand out i mean probably our standout one was, was right here in south africa which, which was the nelson mandela inauguration you know our first democratic inauguration and that we performed at that that main event on the, and that was just uh, you know everything with the flyover and the, the national yeah. mood and that that was a fantastic actually that party. was very special i must oh, say was I, I was there moving. too we had the orchestra there we had uh, choirs uh, johnny yes. clegg was and there and actually i think it was welcome who did the yes well, welcome yeah. saw me was yeah, in the charge legs, of the whole gosh. Thing, yeah. yeah but i mean um so that would be you know we did a big anti racism concert in paris which was 200,000 people, SOS Racisme, it was called, um, and just various things. But in terms of you were talking about an ethos, um, I think Mango Groove has always very consciously been about uh, inclusivity, tolerance, non-racialism, uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, that's always driven us. It's been very important to us in terms of what we've, it, it, how it feeds into us lyrically, the shows we would do, the shows we wouldn't do. Um, you know, yes, we're a pop band and celebratory and we're there to have a good time. But uh, I would say we have very much been guided by values and principles that are important to us. And where you say you're a pop band, is that how you classify yourself? I, I think mean, so. Or is there a subtle addition to that? No, hope we band? don't no, no, travel a with, a, with a pulpit or anything. It's not. We, I don't want to be that sort of yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. thing ever. And yes, I mean, 
growing up in South Africa, reflecting our environment, as artists do. I mean, they always reflect. They reflect other influences. We've been so influenced by so many other people, but you're influenced by environment. So that comes into Mango's music. I mean, if we think of a song like Another Country, that was about Boy Patong, about the Krasani assassination. So there's been that component to Mango, but at the end of the day, we want to move people um, in a celebratory way, but in, in, in a poignant way as well. Now, you've been sort of pioneers in a way, and I see your next choice is African jazz pioneers. Yeah. Yes. Now, this a couple of associations with this song. I mean, a couple of the guys even played with Mango and worked on things. So the African Jazz Pioneers was almost a reincarnation of sorts of much earlier big band influences, the Marabi and the, the sort of African jazz bands of the 40s and 50s, which in turn were part of that sort of Glenn Miller tradition or whatever. And that's a huge influence on Mango's um, sound. And a lot of very iconic artists worked through that, starting with Ntemi. But everyone... Uh, and their friend worked for African Jazz Pioneers. And so when I heard them for the first time, it was a very, very big influence. In a, but it was hearing old songs. They, In a way, they brought a lot of that tradition back. And the song Yega Yega, first of all, the sound of African jazz, it's it's a very woodwind-heavy sound. You know, it's not like you're thinking of a Latin brass section, which is lots of trombones and trumpets or whatever. It's got a very specific melancholy sort of undertow that I think perfectly respect, uh, reflected the environment it came out of, you know. And there's a bittersweet thing, which was a big influence on manga, even how we did our horn sections and uh, the the harmonies and stuff. Yega Yega means it's almost like it's time to go home, and it's often played at funerals. And I first heard that song as by the pioneers at the funeral at the big cathedral in Johannesburg for David Webster, who was assassinated, uh, you know, um, uh, and he was someone we also had close associations with. We wrote a song about him called Taken for a Moment, but it just has a very powerful effect to me on that song and on so many levels. So, beautiful song. Yega Yega, African Jazz Pioneers. That was the African Jazz Pioneers with Yega Yega, the choice of John Layden, my guest in People of Note. Interesting that you talked about uh, David Webster's funeral because mm. I was the organist at St. Mary's Cathedral. Never. It was St. Mary's, wasn't it? It was, from 1981 till oh. 1992. So all those big funerals, wow. Neil Agate, uh, Lef Motapeng, well, uh, David Webster, they were all there. Mm. In fact, I well remember Neil Agate's funeral. That's it was amazing. unbelievable. What a thing yeah. to be just... Yeah, to be I never part knew of that, Richard. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So I was, uh, it was a very, uh, I mean, an unbelievable time. You could do five five episodes of this show. <laughs> I'll interview. Deal? We could, yeah. <laughs> you can be the. You can these touchstones. Really, you just brought it back to me now. Yeah. How the, those times were there. And the cathedral was uh, firebombed on one yes. st- at one stage, too. Petrol quite a structure. Under, How old is it? It must be uh, 1927. I yes, think. quite a big, gloomy. Yeah. And and the the well, it came out later that mm-hmm. it was some security police. They yeah. poured petrol under one of the doors, uh, and it's of course there's a lot of wood inside, yeah. all the chairs and everything. Yeah. But just inside the door was a coir mat, and it absorbed oh, all the petrol. Gosh, how yeah. about that? It was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of damage inside yeah. with smoke and so on, but what no more than memory that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quite incredible. Uh, now, the next choice you have is a message to you, Rudy, which is uh, new to me. Okay. That was um, – the song is really more symbol of a time 
particularly in British uh, sort of punk, reggae, new wave, ska, that uh, sort of late 70s and early 80s, that very heavily influenced me. As I was talking earlier about what that time of music did, one, it was very culturally eclectic. So people drew in different influences. The specials were a very good example of that. It said if you just form a uh, band with your friends, even if you know very few uh, chords, just write songs and write songs about things that are meaningful, you know. So there was a lot of social protest content to that period. And that also fed into the manga thing. Um, The specials were... and. It came in a way out of the earlier ska movement in the 60s in Britain, but it was a very fertile time at a time in Britain's history where there was a lot of um, there was a lot of racism. There were a lot of issues around poverty, unemployment, um, immigrant communities coming in. And um, this was a very wonderfully celebratory period, I think, of British music that, 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 that said the right things. It wasn't sloganeering. You know, you can hear it's a wonderful, fun song, you know. And they owe their roots, obviously, back to early 60s reggae and ska. But um, so in a way, a message to you, Rudy, just, it, it, it's Rudy as in rude boy, you know. Um, and uh, it was really what that represented on so many levels, musically and in terms of an ethos and what, what you believe in. It's, it was a, a positive thing. And that definitely fed into the sort of whole mango trajectory. A message to you, Rudy, performed by the specials. And just for our listeners also, Mataba Taba, who helps us to put these <laughs> programs together, he sang a line from a Sing It For Us, Mataba Taba. Stop your messing around. <laughs> there we go. Stop your messing around. And for those of you who listen on a Friday here on Classic 1027, you will hear Mataba Taba's voice uh, when we talk about the national anthem. He says, God bless Africa. It's wonderful. It's that rich bass voice that yeah. he has. Thank yes. you, Mataba Taba. And, and, and I just want to say thank you to Mataba Taba because he helps me put all these programs together, the full works, and people of note, he's there for me every time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mataba. Now, I'm talking to John Layden, who's my guest in People of Note. John, you've, you said, you know, here's a message for you, rude boy. Yeah. And you said that you haven't had a, a sort of pulpit for uh, Mango Groove. You're not a preachy group. No. But the very existence of Mango Groove in, from the 80s mm. had a message. That's for sure. I think so. And, you know, we were just... There was nothing too self-conscious about it. I mean, it was just uh, people, and it was really a very wide variety of South Africans pulled together by certain beliefs, values, musical influences, and, you know, wanting to be in a band and all all the sort of stuff. I mean, it wasn't like this great lofty crusade or anything, and it just sort of uh, muddled its way through various shows and whatever. Just take us back to the beginning, though, because there must have been a beginning you must have um, said to someone, okay, there was hey, come my, and play with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, started, I was in a punk band, which I started with my friends from Varsity called Pet Frog, believe it or not, which did a very bad sort of quailer song. But again, it was literally, we knew very few notes and we posed and whatever. And was that and then, at Vitz? Yeah, I was at Vitz while Vitz, I was yeah. at Vitz. And then that mutated into Mango Groove. And I was always driven by wanting to work with people who really had lived the styles and played the styles of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So that, particularly those forms that I had such an idealized and romantic conception of, um, which I thought I would never be in touch with people like that. So the actual real kickoff point was when I went to a place, the old Gallo building in Johannesburg, 
to you know someone said oh we I want you to meet Jack LaRoley that again was through Hilton Rosenthal I knew he had done the Duck Rock album with uh, Malcolm McLaren I knew he was just this phenomenal writer player Penny Whistler everything and a very charismatic human being actually um, and I went to a place called Loafer's Corner which was the old Gala building, which is basically where unemployed or broke musicians hung out. And, uh, you know, it all started from there. And then Mango was this long process of bring a friend and my friend can play sax and guitar. And then that person would drop out. It really was it a long happened. history. Yes. And right. Happened. That that yeah. carried right through in terms of people we worked with. I've often said we were like a sort of Bernardo's home for lost musicians. I mean, people would come and go. And that is the spirit of eclecticism. So through all of that, there was a sort of a, yes, there was a sound that was what moved us musically, but there was a sort of a, an inclusivity, an ethos for all its messiness. It was a sort of organic thing in a way that's, that's held it together. And it's always been quite a big group. Always been that, yeah. you know, and I've always loved that. And, and the sort of big band thing and the history and the doo-wop thing and the, the horn section, that's always been a wonderful thing, you know. So if we had our way and, and the budgets would probably be 50 of us on stage, you know. <laughs> but also, I mean, for traveling, that's an expensive pastime. When it's you've a got huge. A big group. The logistics yeah. of Mango are just, yeah, something else. So. Yeah. But I'm a, and I was very interested to hear you say that last year was probably your busiest year ever. Yes, where? Because we don't... We've done the festivals. Yeah. We did the anniversary concerts at uh, the Teatro, um, uh, uh, actually with real concerts, which reunited us with uh, with our, our with Roddy Quinn, who'd been our manager through all those times. Um, those were, I, I was blown away by the turnout. You know, we sold out uh, uh, four shows, which was brilliant. And we've just, in terms of the festivals, we've been lucky enough that we've resonated somehow with successive generations of South Africans. So a lot of our audiences are are young and we've well, just been lucky because that your, way. Your, your music has obviously developed over the years. Well, as you, well, know, you know, Manga fed through into everything and it's dance groups and aerobics and dentist waiting rooms and, you know, it's commercials. It's that sort of thing. We've been lucky enough that the, the, the stuff is familiar. Yeah. Um, so I'd love some of our listeners to write in with their memories yes, of, it's, it's quite of interesting. Mango Groove, which I'll pass on to you. Oh, well, thank so you if you that. have l- memories of Mango mm. Groove, please write to me, mm. rcockrcock at iafrica.com, mm. and I'll pass them on yeah. to, to and John. And it's very touching. I, I often go, I look through YouTube, there'll be a dance group of 10 little kids dancing to Special Star, and it was shot, you know, six months ago. Yeah. And that is so touching and moving. And, yeah. you know. and of course, with, with the lockdown, so many people are doing yes. things online now. I know, I know. Which is amazing. And uh, this coming week, when is it? The 16th mm. will be the year's mind of, of Johnny Clegg's yes. uh, passing. I know, I know. And, and we've done just that, in fact. On oh. the 16th, we're going to launch with Creesan. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, singer very, very good writer and lovely uh, guy. Yeah, we, we did long oh. ago. Uh, if you can remember the days of Heifelt Pops. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chrisan sang Osieza. And, and we're, I've sent it around to my mm. choir, and we're doing a oh, sort of revamp yeah. of Chrisan singing yeah. Osieza oh, as a stunning. tribute to Johnny oh, well, on, on the 16th. So mm. keep an ear and an eye open for that. Mm. But here comes another name now, Lucky Dube. Yeah, I mean, gosh, on, on so many levels, I have such a powerful emotional response that obviously his 
tragic death. He was a, a giant. Reggae generally was a big influence in terms of me growing up, and particularly the sort of old one-drop styles of, uh, you know, Toots and the Matles and Steel Pulse and the original Wailers, uh, Peter Tosh. Uh, it, it's huge, a huge influence for me. Lucky especially... Uh, Beautiful songwriter, and particularly this this song is just one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, we were lucky enough to share the stage with him on many, many concerts. He was a wonderful human being, performer, and just huge. And in a way, he symbolized that period in the 90s, of late 80s, early 90s South African music of absolutely giant artists, huge festivals. Because in a way, the cultural boycott made South Africans look inwards. And you had these absolutely enormous acts, whether it was from, you know, Chika through to Brenda Fussy, um, through, to, through to Lucky, through to Splash. And just these, uh, Stamella, you know, absolutely enormous artists. But Lucky, just uh, wonderful. And, and obviously very much a global artist. We did the, gosh, another handover. It was a Namibian concert. And actually it was a Namibian Namib- Namib- Independence Day. And we did it with Ziggy Marley, which was, uh, that was the, he was the sort of, main sort of foreign artist, if I could call him that. Um, and I remember there was a fight there because actually, obviously, Lucky Duvet was a way, way bigger artist. And I think Rita Marley took offense. This is a bit of a gossip. But uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, Lucky, he was just beyond huge and such an unassuming nice guy with it. He'd sometimes answer the phone with an American accent because he was on. You know, I phoned once, say, hello, can I speak to Lucky, please? And I called. And he said, oh, John, no, it's you, you know, which is great. But a wonderful, wonderful guy, an incredible artist. And, uh, yeah, a big, a big influence on us in so many ways. So there we go. Remember me. This is Lucky Dube. That was Lucky Dube with Remember Me. And, again, just for our listeners, um, I can always tell when people of note is going well because Matuba mm. Taba <laughs> is right there with us. <laughs> And he's commenting on the choices of songs here. So it's great to have Mataba Taba by my side for these programs. I'm talking to John Layden, who is the founder of Mango Groove uh, and a songwriter and a sort of driving force behind it, although it seems to have its own energy, actually. I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm stunned always by the fact that you've been going as long as you have. Yeah, no and one's more stunned than me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess when you started, you had more hair, did you? Uh, well, I had hair for starters, actually. <laughs> but oh no, absolutely. And you look back at those absolutely appalling '80s. Show. I mean, what was it with the '80s stylistically? You know, yeah. that. Have you got some great photographs? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, classic stuff. Very, very funny. But uh, you know, yeah. We, you, you look back and think what the hell was i thinking yeah there we go so the the future beckons still and i mean your next choice is save the last dance for me but you're going for a while yet yeah that's a nice nice link there yes i think so you know we're exploring a lot of projects at the moment and in some ways some of them are hopefully sort of legacy projects if i can call them that but uh in terms of what you do with song catalogs be it through movie musicals or stage productions or but, I mean, the heart of Mango really is as a live performing act, and we'll go for as long as people will have us. And, actually, it's not an ageist business music. If you look at the really big touring acts, a lot of them are a lot older than we are, for instance. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, so we'll drive it from that point of view, yeah. obviously from the writing point of view. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it is sad we've lost people through. Uh, Banza Khasani is another one. But that gives a good example of the continuity. Uh, the, the, for me, the greatest trumpeter, 
South Africa has ever produced, a controversial thing to say. But um, his son, Moti, is with Makassar. And we've, it's just these funny links. And, that you know, as you progress through time, these strange relationships and associations are formed. So, um, yeah, we're doing we're working on nice, big, ambitious projects that may or may not see the light of day. But equally, we're just looking forward to when this thing lifts. God, God knows when. That we get you, back to the the essence of it. Have you been doing some writing also, or not yes. writing but composing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I don't write. No, I've no, been no, a little no. bit slack, and I'm I'm going down a few side alleys at the moment. But uh, no, absolutely. I'm never happier when when we're doing that. So, uh, oh, just save the last dance. Save the last dance. Yes, gosh, I do waffle off off topic, don't I? Um, Yes. Okay. No, interesting. Uh, one of the again, one of the greatest songs ever written for me. Uh, you know, it's there with "Lion Sleeps Tonight." When there's and I like what I love about some songs is obviously everything is about what moves you, and if the song can have an additional story to tell that is poignant, uh, and there are songs that tell stories that I love. You know, "Green Green Grass of Home" is a good example. You know, it tells a little sort of story. Um, Save the last dance for me. It's a beautiful arrangement. The Drifters, I just absolutely love. Uh, I think it was would it, was it Benny King who was. Um, anyway, I might get that wrong so beautifully performed and that sort of male doo-wop style did influence us we used it on moments away it's a it's a tradition i've always loved it's fed in its own way via the sort of uh, lady smith blackman bozo influences you know and all that sort of stuff so and it's what i love about the song apart from it just being a masterful beautiful timeless melodic song is doc pomus who's one of the greatest songwriters of all time uh, wrote it about his wife he had polio and that is what the song is about. So he was unable to dance with his wife, even at his own wedding. I think his brother danced with his wife as the special dance for. So it's 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 a it's just a wonderful celebratory song. But there's again there's an undertow to it, which is very poignant when you realise what the song is about. Save the last dance for me, featuring the Drifters, the choice of John Layden, who's my guest in People of Note. And now I see your indulgent second choice of Freshly Ground is Zitande. Yes. Um, we obviously have a, a, our own very close relationship with uh, Freshly Ground through the years. I mean, we've collaborated with Zelani very recently on a, another version of Another Country, which we just absolutely love. I think she's a giant talent in, in every way, uh, you know, vocally. She's a fantastic writer. And, you know, Freshly Ground... A true phenomenon. I mean, obviously, you know, and people say, oh, it's a little bit like this. Or, you know, people say, you're like Freshly You know, so that whole thing went on. Peter, the drummer from Freshly Ground, played with Mango. And he's actually even featured on another thing, which we're going to talk about. But uh, just very amazing. I mean, just to me, just a, a very everything about them in terms of their ethos and what they said and whatever. This particular song is just so pretty, so melodic, and it, was, it's, it would be the song, and I've told them themselves, I hope you're going to play this tonight, because obviously we've, we've shared the stage with them many times, and, you know, it's a friendship, really. But I, I think it's just such a pretty, wonderful, interesting song. Yeah, and it's a, another group that has quite a large, uh, Freshly Ground had quite a large Lineup, following yeah. a lineup, yes, yeah. and, and and coming, and going. sort of so, quite a mix of like flute and yes, and, and I just like what it said yeah. about. Yeah. I like what they said about being South African and their inclusivity, yeah. and uh, you know, so all, all their incredible talent aside, it was yeah. just a, and Zolani is sort of going off her on on her own tangent she's now in a way, uh, uh, yeah. flying. Spoilt for ability, restless, yeah. amazing talent, you know, and I think many, many more things will come from it. And from Freshly, actually. I know yeah. they're not particularly performing at the moment, but uh, too so good to keep down. Here it is. Freshly ground with Zitande.
That was Freshly Ground with um, a song called Zitande featuring Zolani Mahola, their fabulous singer. And what's interesting for me is that, I mean, many of these people we've done concerts with with mm. orchestra as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's amazing how that adds another layer yes, it does. onto the sound. No, it's, it's a just, wonderful it's platform, great. Match, you know. Yeah. Now, another great um, African performer, this time from Zimbabwe, is Oliver Mtukudzi. Mm. You knew him too? Yes, uh, lucky enough to have done shows with him, an absolute giant of an artist. This song moves me to tears as a song, but also his voice. You know, he has, he's like a lion, that guy, you know. And um, I've always, I love various Pan-African uh, influences. And uh, also just in terms of our, our resonance in South Africa, you know, with uh, our depressing levels of um, xenophobia and... It's just so it's a wonderful song, very, very moving in terms of its subject matter, a huge loss. And, uh, yeah, just wonderful to have had the associations we've had with such greatness. And that really, he really was a, a truly great artist. So. This is Oliver Mtukudzi with Todi. That was the legendary Oliver Mtukudzi from Zimbabwe with his song Todi. And so we've come to the final song on the program tonight. My guest has been John Layden, and he is from Mango, well, not from Mango Groove. He is Mango Groove. He was the founder, and he's been the leading light, uh, well, leading light, the, the leader of Mango Groove, I should say. Gosh, well, yeah. Um, yeah, you explain a lot. You've it? kept it all together. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, he's a songwriter and uh, sort of, oh, if you had a general manager, would it be you? General Medler. General Medler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come to our final choice now, which is uh, a song by Bright Blue, another yes. great South African band. Absolutely. And very unsung for me. You know, obviously best associated with Weeping, yeah. which is one of the greatest South African songs and African songs and global songs. I really think it is uh, an astonishing, and also in terms of its subject matter, uh, and in terms of the sort of protest pop, if you could call it like that, of the 80s, and a very big influence on us. Um, obviously, it would have been made sense to go with Weeping in a way, and I actually prefer their version of Weeping to anyone else's. I'm, 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 I'm like that. I like the, the original because the, the content's there and the sentiment. Um, this is a different song, um, which is less well-known, but it's just a very exquisite song. And uh, again, it's about feeling that you should participate in the world. I think it's a time on my own. I, I need this time on my own more than now, more than ever, but the banners are waving. So it's that call to duty in a way, but uh, just a, a, an exquisite song. And I'm absolutely, uh, it's mind-boggling to me that this isn't one of the biggest selling songs yeah. in the world, actually. I think it's just the most stunning piece. And again, Peter Cohen, who was part of us, for years, and obviously the Freshly Grounders. So, so very, very strong link there, strong influence. And again, we were lucky enough to share stages with them. Time on My Own, Bright Blue. That was Bright Blue with Time on My Own, the final choice of John Layden, who's been my guest in People of Note tonight. And it's been a great program. And you were saying the, the banners were waving. Well, let's hope the banners will wave for all of us again mm. soon. Yes, Bringing us back to performing uh, doing what we do best and mm. what we love mm. because it's been a tough time for all musicians in the last three, four months. Mm. But there must be something over the horizon. Yes, I that's think good us. things yeah. will come from this. And I'm sure that uh, people have learned all sorts of new 
skills yes. during this period, and I'm sure they're going to come some wonderful well, songs. New skills. We've also learnt really, truly what we miss. Yeah. You know, yeah. and what can be, and you know who we are. So I think a lot will come out of this. Can I think you we imagine will flourish a flurry of, of activity? Once. Absolutely. <laughs> It's going to be fantastic. And you'll hear about it right here on People of Note on Classic 1027. That's the program you've been listening to. I'll be back with full works each weekday evening from 7 to 10, except on a Friday when it's 6 to 9. And, of course, thank you at home uh, to you listening warm at home, I think, because there's another cold front coming. And Mm. I hope you'll be... uh, tuned in and listening to Classic 1027. Thank you to John and thank you to Mataba Taba who helps us put all of this together. Thanks, Tubbs. Good one. And until next time, from all of us here, we say good night.